0: Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, uh, after a couple of weeks away, it is good to be back and good to return to the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying now for several weeks. Three weeks ago was the last time I was here uh, speaking, and we talked about this idea that Jesus puts forth in in chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, in his Sermon on the Mount, in his explanation to those who were listening of his gospel and of his ministry. And in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about the idea of our Christian profession, our works of faith that we engage in, and making sure that we protect them and do them in such a way that we are guarding the relationship, the intimate relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. He mentions specifically giving, he mentions fasting, and he mentions prayer as three areas, three disciplines that one might engage in and to be cautious that we are doing such things to please God and not to please man because that is an intimate relationship that we don't need to let the world into. That is for us and for God. Now, it's important to note Jesus isn't saying this because God is competing with the world. God's not in competition with this world for our attention. He's already won that battle. He's already already won that contest. He's not fighting with the world as an equal competitor for our attention and our affection. If you read the words of Christ when he talks about praying in the proper way, fasting in the proper way, and giving in the proper way, he cautions that if we do things to be seen of men or do things for the glory of mankind, we will receive our reward in full. He's cautioning people that that is what you're after and that is what you will receive and that is the problem. It's not that God is trying to win a popularity contest. It's that God wishes for us the fullness of his blessing and the fullness of the glory of faith and we give that up. When we choose to serve mankind. Jesus' words in the first half of chapter 6. Are a cautionary warning. That we not settle for less. In our relationship with God. But that with intention. And with care. And with diligence. We seek to please God above man. And that theme is continued. And it's unfortunate the way that we look at the. Sermon on the Mount sometimes. We don't often read the whole thing all at once all the way through we break it up and compartmentalize it into little sections and we read it and study it in those sections and and unfortunately that sometimes is the format we have to do and that's okay but we do need to remember that this was spoken as one one uh one sermon one lesson all at one time and so themes carry through so when we end about uh you know your father sees what is done in secret verse 18 of chapter 6 we go into the next verse which continues the theme and the theme is that our relationship with god is one that we should invest in we must invest in our relationship with the father in order that we can receive all of the blessings that he has to offer us in this life and the one beyond. Let's begin reading in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We hear the phrase used sometimes, um, and, and we take it in a figurative sense that when we do a good deed, when we participate in a work of faith, that we uh, it's another jewel in our crown. You've heard that phrase? You, you want a jewel in your crown. Well, we, we say that figuratively, of course, because we know that the things we do in service to the kingdom are not intended to earn us some blessing in heaven, some greater blessing. Blessing in the the next life. We know that we're not actually literally building material wealth or material gain for a life that is to come. That's not what he means when he says store treasures in heaven, not on earth. It's not a question of earning something special from God. It's a question of focus. It's a question of intention. It's a question of where we draw our... Uh, our significance from? Do we draw it from pleasing those around us in this life, draw it from pleasing mankind, or do we draw our significance from being in service to God and in service to our Lord Jesus Christ? What we're storing up is not anything material. It's not anything tangible. What we're storing up is where we place our emphasis in life, where we put our focus. It is a question of investment. How are we investing our time, our deeds, and our faith in the life we have to live here on earth? If we're investing it in pleasing people around us, and don't get me wrong, when I say pleasing the world around us, I don't mean living at peace with the world or having a good relationship within a community. Paul talks a lot about that in the New Testament as being a key component of living a faithful and profitable life spiritually. We have to have good relationships with those around us, both in and out of the kingdom of God. But our investment, if it is in pleasing and gaining the approval of this world at the expense of our relationship with God, then we have invested in something that is so fleeting and so temporary. Because, as he says, we're moth and rust destroyed. Essentially, when this world is over, when this life is over, when you're done on this earth... All that you've invested in those people around you, it goes up in dust just like you. It's no more. But if you've invested in your heavenly father, if you've invested in a relationship through Jesus Christ with God Almighty, there is a great reward both in this life and the blessings we receive through him, but also in the next life that we have a place secured with him through the blood of Christ and by our obedience and our deeds. So he urges us to put our investments in the things that are everlasting. Then verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In other words, if, if it's so dark, you think it's light you sure are in trouble. You've become disoriented. You've become confused. And again, this is one of those that we seem to shift. This is something we would cut out. And sometimes we're guilty of slicing and dicing the Sermon on the Mount into nothing more than some Proverbs. It's it's way more than Proverbs. Proverbs is a wonderful book full of wise sayings, but that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's building a case for something. He's building a case for 100% absolute dedication to God and nothing else. And why is he building this case? He's building this case because it's a problem. Most of what he addresses are problems that have crippled the people of faith, the believing people of the time in their pursuit of God. And it makes sense in the context of the old law but these are also problems with humanity in general. And so they are very meaningful to us because we suffer from these same problems. We struggle with these same conflicts. And the leaders of the religious world in the Jewish community of the time of Christ had become corrupted by their relationship with the world. Whether it was, it was the uh, occupation of Rome and the political interaction that had to take place, and we see that happening quite a bit as we near the end of Christ's life, or if it was the wealth that could be accumulated by having the roles that they did in the rabbinical system, whether it was the power over other people, the prestige, the respect, the position, whatever it was that was interfering with their true service to the kingdom, It was a problem that crippled people of faith. And today, it still does. We are blinded when we become addicted to the approval of the world. We become blinded when we become addicted to the approval of the world. I'll confess to you, this is a huge problem for preachers. This is a huge problem for people in ministry. And I'll tell you why because it matters to me way too much what you say when you walk out the door on Sunday morning and shake my hand. And my whole Sunday, sometimes my whole week, is either good or bad based on if anybody said they liked the sermon or not. That's an approval addiction. It's a sickness. And it it cripples ministers and people who work with churches all the time because I am so impacted and affected by if anybody liked what I had to say that day, that I lose sight of the significance of what I'm saying. I have to battle that. That's my personality. And people in this similar role all over the world have to battle that all the time. Each of us in our own way has to battle the choices between our focus and investment in God and our focus and investment in pleasing others, the approval of others. We fight that battle and understand, as Jesus says, that if we lose that battle, we have become blinded. We are uh, incapacitated. We are handicapped. We are damaged in our ability to sense the world around us because we've become blinded by focusing in the wrong place. Verse 24, he clarifies this further. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. It is impossible, he says, to have two masters to be led by two things at once. You can't please God and man. And he says at the end of that verse, you cannot serve God and wealth. Wealth, that's an interesting word because he's talking about pleasing mankind and, or pleasing God, and yet then he puts something in there that we read as a monetary thing. But wealth can be, in, in fact, in the original language, it's something a little broader than just money. Okay? It, it can simply be approval, prestige, or position that we are chasing. It's a form of wealth. It's a currency in and of itself. And so Jesus says, you can't serve God. You can't be completely free to do everything he's asking of you if even a part of you is tied down to this world trying to to win the approval of those around you or to please them or to serve them. You can't have both. You will be enslaved. You'll be enslaved. That's what Jesus is saying. That which makes you can also break you. If we rely on this world for our value, for our approval, for our significance, for our position and our blessing, then just as quickly as we receive it, we can lose it. That's why it's a miserable existence to live that way. As a preacher, that's why it's a miserable existence to rise or fall based on whether someone complimented your sermon every Sunday. Because that means just as easily as I could have the best day of the week, I can have the worst day of the month. You can't live like that. You can't live at the mercy of something. And in this case, Jesus says you can't live at the mercy of wealth, of earthly gain. Whatever that looks like in your life, you can't live at the mercy of this world. It's a fickle place. You can't trust it. It will will whip you around, wring you out, and throw you to the side of the road. It's not worth pursuing. And being enslaved to something, uh, you know, when we read that you can't serve God in wealth, and sometimes we read that and go, well, good, I don't have a lot of money, so I'm probably not at risk there. You don't have to be rich. To be enslaved by money. You don't. I mean, I, 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 I've, been, I've been on unemployment. And I remember waking up every Tuesday morning making sure that check hit my account. That was the most important day of the week when I was unemployed. I've been on food stamps. I remember what day of the month that stuff hit the account so that I could go buy groceries. That was the most important day of the month. And I would do whatever the Department of Human Services told me to do to keep those benefits while I needed them. I was enslaved. And there's nothing wrong with those those benefits. Those are there for people to take care of them when they need it. I understand that. But it's very easy to find yourself in the grip of it. It's very easy to find yourself in the grip of earthly gain and earthly approval it's very easy to give up control of yourself to a fickle world that doesn't really care about you. It's much harder to ignore the calls of this world, to pursue the holiness and righteousness of Christ, to fully give your life to God in service to him, knowing that you won't hear the accolades, you won't attain the position, and you won't receive the blessings Of the world, but you are storing up, investing, and later to cash in rewards in in the next life. The blessings that this that we can be achieved in this life through service to God and the glory of eternal life when we arrive there. It's a much harder task to serve something we can't always see or hear to receive blessings that are not always instant in their gratification. But the alternative is that we're blinded, that we're handicapped, that we're held back, and that we're enslaved to the world around us. When we give ourselves to God fully, with intention and with purpose and with diligence, we receive blessings. And here is one of them. Jesus says, beginning in verse 25, For this reason... Everything he's just said, okay? You can't serve two masters. Focus on pleasing God, not pleasing man. And for this reason, he says, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil or spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothes himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Dual loyalty is a lie. You cannot have dual loyalties. Because if you become enslaved and blinded by pleasing the world even though we see the great benefits of it, boy, if I can just get to this position or get in good with these people or do what makes me popular here, that seems like it benefits us. Maybe it does, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of blindness. It comes at a cost of being enslaved. And it draws us further away from a life that is focused on investing in pleasing God and the blessings of it. And the blessings are, that the God of the universe, the creator of this world, is going to take care of you. He's going to provide what you need if you trust him. Look around this world and look how it's designed and we cannot help but, uh, but see that we are at the center of it all. He designed this world for us. He created us with a purpose. I think one of the greatest Tragedies of the growth of atheism and attitudes that remove God from our conversation is that it takes away from the value of humanity. When we begin to see the world and all its creation as equal, we lose a sense of our purpose and our creation. You were built intentionally by God. Mankind was one of the only things he handmade. He spoke everything else into existence. He built you. And you and I are so deeply loved by God that he sent us into this world, gave us life, and since that moment has been chasing after a relationship with us. The blessings of that relationship are innumerable. And yet we worry, and we toil, and we chase after the things of this world. Jesus says, if you're serving God and not man, you don't have to worry. He's going to take care of you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We can have peace. In a world of chaos. We can ignore. And reject the lie of dual loyalty. We can reject the idea. That we can please this world and please God. Because we know it leads to enslavement and blindness. And we can rest secure and satisfied. In the blood of Christ. And in the arms of our God. As he blesses us. And calls us home to him. Don't settle for less. Don't leave blessings on the table. Don't chase after this world. Chase after him. If you have a need this morning to be strengthened in your relationship with God. Or if you desire to become a Christian. Then we offer an opportunity to you today to do so. If you would like to take advantage of that. Let us know as we stand and while we sing together. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at WICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.